I, I brought this topic up this morning on my Facebook Live, and I've done it on purpose. I know we got like 50 people that ain't here tonight, so be praying for them. But I, I wanted to address the elephant in the room in Christianity. Uh, we somehow forgot that God's in charge, that God is in charge of everything, Amen. not just some things. You know what I mean? We, 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 we don't get our candidate. We, we, somebody else's candidate wins, and then we go, oh, what happened? Did God drop the ball on this? No, God didn't make no mistake. Amen? Right. We got to understand that God works all things. Somebody say all things, all things. to the counsel of his own will. Amen? So we're going to go to Ephesians. I might as well get my Bible out while I'm telling you to go somewhere, right? Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't know where Ephesians is at, it's right after Galatians. If you don't know where Galatians is at, look in the front of your Bible. <laughs> Just joking. Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 11 is where I'm going to focus, but we may read a little more than that just for context, right? Ah, uh, now we won't. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Stop. Now, this was just my thought going into my live stream this morning. It's my thought coming into tonight is a lot of people start worrying when things don't look like they're going their way, when they feel like things are kind of coming against them. And what we're tending to do in that is we're tending to look at our flesh. Everybody that names the name of Jesus Christ does one thing. We understand that we walk by faith and not by sight not just how it looks not just how because if the disciples walked according to how it looked it was pretty bleak amen you got to understand what they were going through floggings and stonings and being boiled in oil having their eyes gouged out attacked by lions let's just keep going do we need to elaborate on that any farther because these men and women were devout believers in Christ, yet the things around them looked very sad, very terrible, yet they persevered. Amen? And we're told over and over, those who endure to the end. Amen? Yes. So we got to understand that when we face trials of diverse kinds, as Peter said, that God is testing us, testing our patience, and as we get our, our patience tested, it works on endurance, and then endurance on hope, and hope makes us unashamed, amen? So let's remember tonight the sovereignty of God, and I'm just gonna lead you through a bunch of scriptures that point to God's sovereignty. Go to Romans 8 and 28. This is probably one of the most familiar Christian passages in the New Testament. Most of the time we quote this when 
things are going bad and we want to feel comfort and peace in our circumstance, right? He says this, and we know, uh, excuse me, lost my place, 28, there we go. <clears throat> Romans 8 and 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. I kind of like the old King James way of saying it, okay? And we know that all things work together for the good of them who are called, who love God and are called according to his good purpose. Amen? Amen. In understanding that, we understand that God has a purpose in everything. Amen? Yes. This is something that Solomon says, right? In the Psalm of Solomon, he says, Behold, I guess it's Ecclesiastes, excuse me. He said, Behold, there is a time and a season for everything under the sun. Amen? They even wrote a great rock and roll song about it. Remember that? Beatles or something like that. Pretty famous. <laughs> They did, didn't they? They wrote, they wrote a song about that. Why? Because there is a time and a season for everything under the sun. And we live in a modern day Christian era that wants us to live in the season of harvest all the time. But it doesn't work that way. Believe me, as a pastor, I'd love to have 50 people here every day for every service. It doesn't work that way. Some people leave. Some people come. Three and a half years I've watched a lot of people come, a lot of people go. Amen? Because there's a time and a season for everything, and that's in your life and in my life. How many of you have been in seasons of plenty? Been in seasons of plenty before? I may not be one in one right now, but I have been in seasons of plenty. Amen? Let's keep remembering. Let's keep exhorting ourselves, as Paul said. He said, remind yourself of these things. Stir up the gift of God that was imparted to you. Amen? Go to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read some words from our Lord and Savior himself. A lot of people act like God forgot them when things start going bad. And I want to remind you, in Matthew chapter 10... Jesus says this in verse 29. Might have to get my glasses out now. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And I kind of like how the, the uh, Christian standard Bible says that he said, not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's consent kind of like that terminology but it means the same thing i'm reading now the esv how does the niv or the king james read that mike read it to me real loud are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and not one of them fall to the ground without your father without your father what does that mean well, it means exactly what i just said unless god says hey sparrow fall out of the sky it ain't happening that's how serious it is we get this mystical, uh, we got this new age idea that God is some eth ethereal spirit off in the nethers and that 
somehow this God who spoke all things into existence, who makes all things happen according to the counsel of his own will, Ephesians, right? Who, who works all things together for the good of those who are loved and called according to his good purpose. We have this idea that that God, the God of the Bible, the God that we read about, somehow is not intimately involved in everyday life of his creation. But God is intimately involved. If you keep reading this, Jesus makes a bigger statement. He says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. <laughs> but whosoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus wasn't making this point for no reason. He was talking to them about making sure their witness was outward, that people knew they were his follower. And, and they were like, well, but we, you know, we got to eat. And we got we to gotta have clothes on our, you know. And, and Jesus said, don't worry about your clothes. Didn't he say that, Matthew 6? He said, don't take any thought to what you're going to eat or your drink or what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on your body. He said, it's not the body more than clothing and the stomach more than food. Amen. We got to understand that God has a plan for me too. Do we not remember Jeremiah? Behold, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. Amen. Amen. We've got to understand that God is intimately involved in human life, human existence. Yeah. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. You don't remember where Colossians is, just go to Philippians and turn one more book, okay? You'll run right into it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether Thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead and in and that in everything he might be preeminent. We have a very stark picture here painted of Jesus Christ in all things, through all things. All things were made for him, by him. Amen? And then he says that he holds them all together. He holds all things together. Your life, my life, this nation, that nation. We're going to get to a point where we read where God exalts one nation and takes another nation down. Amen? We might think we, we have our, our vote and we have our lot, but God makes the decisions. Let's keep going. Isaiah 45. 
jump back to the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 45. We're going to see. <laughs> I love this one. Because he asks questions. Isaiah, when God speaks through Isaiah, it's, it's so crystal clear and jumps out at you that it's almost in no need of any explanation. Isaiah 45, I think we're going to read 7, 8, and 9. I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open up that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with him who has formed him. A pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who formed it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles. This is an amazing statement. Because that's what so many of us do when things go wrong. God, what are you doing wrong? God, why are you doing it this way? Why are you doing it that way? Let me let you in on a, just a teeny weeny secret. God is not answerable to you. God doesn't have to explain himself to you. God didn't come down from heaven and walk up to Mike and say, Hey, Mike, I really would like your, your, your idea on this election and how it ought to go. He doesn't ask you. God is God, and he does what he wills, as he pleases, because the only counsel God takes is from himself. Amen? Amen. Job ran into this same problem. Job was talking about, and he said it himself, because Job, at the end of the book of Job, he said, surely I spoke of things that I knew not, things so wonderful I could not comprehend. I repent in dust and ashes. Those were Job's words. Because God doesn't need our permission. Because God is in control. Proverbs chapter 16. You just keep flipping back. If you go to the Psalms, you're too far. Proverbs chapter 16. I like this one because it, it has some great truth in it. Proverbs 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, that means no matter how much chance you think it is, because a lot of people, that's how we vote. We vote like we're throwing craps. We vote like we're casting lots. We feel like, well, here's mine. I just don't know if it's going to work. Right? That's how we do it. That's how they did in the Old Testament with the, the Ur Urim and the Thurim. And they'd throw that thing out there. And that's how they'd know that God was speaking to them. But God doesn't work on chance. And chance is not in God's equation because, first of all, God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. Amen? 
And if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, there's no chance. There's nothing outside of his scope. He said there's nothing that his eye does not see or his ear does not hear. God is not surprised by the events of human existence. God is ordaining them. Remember this psalm. He says, huh, how does it go? Oh, I'll remember it. I can't remember the address or I'd do it. I'll leave it alone for right now. <laughs> Job chapter 42. Go to Job 42. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your paths. That's the psalm I was looking for, by the way. This took me a second. I got a few more gray hairs. Job 42, and we're going to read verse 1 and 2. He says, it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Now, I'm going to stop right there. And this, is where, this is where I'm going in this portion of remembering that God is in control is that somehow the Christian community has got it in their mind that the devil can move God's plan and that we can move God's plan and that this thing can move God's plan and that thing can move God's plan. But I seem to remember Paul said that I have become convinced, right? That neither height nor depth nor angels nor principalities nor things above nor things beneath nor any other creature in all of God's creation can separate me Amen. from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's how the Bible talks about God in all things. He said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but will accomplish the thing for which it was sent. God doesn't speak and nothing happened. Can you imagine God in the beginning Saying, light be, and light said, well, I just don't know if I want to be. It doesn't happen. Amen. It's not taught in the Bible. It's not taught anywhere in Scripture that God speaks, and it doesn't happen. It's not, it's not taught anywhere in the Bible that God does something, and it doesn't work. Right. It's not taught. Because God's in complete control of his creation. Go with me to Lamentations. If you don't know where that's at, it's just past Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? It is not, uh, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Why should a living man complain a man about the punishment of his sins? The first portion of this, he's asking a question. He said, who has spoken? And it came to pass unless the Lord commanded it. That's a great question, isn't it? 
So everybody that goes, man, I don't know why, I don't know why this person won the presidency, and I don't know why this person won the presidency, and I don't know why that country done that, and I don't know why that country done that. Why? Because God commanded it. You say, well, God wouldn't do that. Are you sure about that? Go look at the Old Testament. Over and over and over God did that. God created man from the dust of the earth and sinful man rebelled against God. God kicked man out of the garden. Right? Not three generations, four generations later, we have the wickedness was so bad upon the earth that God had to flood the whole earth and save only eight people? Am I getting somewhere yet? God does do those things. Remember a place called Sodom and Gomorrah? God done that. You remember God sending uh, the Hittites. God sending the Persians. God sending the Romans. And all the while, God had a plan. And God had a purpose. Jesus foretold the destruction of the temple while he walked this earth. He said, I tell you the truth, that not one stone will be left laying upon another. Amen? Mm -hmm. Out of his own mouth. Why? Because God had a plan. Let's keep going. I want to show you in Acts chapter 4. That Jesus was part of this plan. He wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like God said, well, you know, I gave them one law in the garden and they couldn't keep that one. So, you know, I had to come up with a plan B and then I, I came up with the law and I gave the law to them and they couldn't keep that. So I had to come up with a plan C and somehow Christians have in their mind that Jesus is plan C. But Jesus was the plan from the very beginning, he said the law and the prophets testify of him. Amen? Yes. So in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 27, says this. For truly in this city there was gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God said, I will use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he did that. He took Pontius Pilate, Herod, the Gentiles, the leaders of Israel, who all stood against Christ. They murdered him. Three days later, he rose victorious over death to purchase us as a ransom Amen. for himself. Yes. God has a plan. Look at your neighbor and tell him God has a plan. Go with me to Psalms 22. I'm trying to get through this as fast as I can because I know everybody wants to go home and find out who won this thing. <laughs> Psalm 22, verse 28. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules 
over the nations. So my quick question, in America, there's only one ruler, because we got presidents, right? They're not technically rulers. But even in all the countries that still have kings and queens, and you know, England, still got a king, still got a queen, even there, God rules over them too. I remember listening to a sermon by Alistair Begg, and he said, I would love to go to church with the Queen of England one time, just to hear her say in the old words of the Psalms, Oh, Lord, my Lord. He said, someone who's used to being the ruler, the head, who still has to say, Oh, Lord, my Lord. Amen? Because even kings and leaders are subject to Christ. The New Testament says that he has been given the name that is above every name. Jesus said, All power and all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Amen? And then he gave us our great commission, said, Go out into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Job, we're going to jump back to Job 12, and I'm going to finish in 1 Peter 2. Job chapter 12. These are just verses that I picked out that talk about God being sovereign, God being in control of his creation. I think Christians need reminding that God is still on the throne. Amen? Amen. Job 12, verse 23. He makes nations great, and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and leads them away. He takes away the understanding from the chiefs of the peoples of the earth and makes them wander in a trackless wasteland. They grope in the dark without light, and he makes them stagger like a drunken man. This is what God does. God exalts one nation. God puts one down. He enlarges one and then leads it away. Think about the captivity of Jerusalem as they were led off into Babylon. Do you understand that all of Israel except one tribe was taken into captivity. Jeremiah sat outside of the temple walls, no, the walls of the city, excuse me, sat outside the walls of the city. That's where we get the book of Lamentations. When he's lamenting, it is because he's watching everything that he prophesied over Israel come to pass as Babylon swept through, destroyed the temple, took all of their holy articles and took them to Babylon along with all of its people. And here's some words that Jeremiah spoke as he watched this happen. Blessed are you, O Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
He said that while he was watching Israel be carried away. Because he prophesied that they would be taken, but he also prophesied that after a time, they would be brought back. Amen? And they were. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to end here. Psalm 32 and 12 says that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I want to read to you in Peter's own words as he admonished the church in Jerusalem. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Those are Peter's words, and I think they're more relevant today than they ever have been. That we need to remember as believers in Jesus Christ, that heaven is our home, that a our citizenship is from there and God is our father and he is in control. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray as we close. Father God, we thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, we thank you and praise you for Jesus Christ who is your word made flesh, who dwelt among us as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth who came to this earth to save sinners, of which I am the chief. Lord, I thank you that while I was yet a sinner, dead in my trespasses and sin, Christ died on the cross for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would build each and every person's heart and soul and mind up in this moment. I pray, Lord, that by your spirit you would strengthen them in their inner man. That they, being rooted and grounded with all of the saints, would be able to come to know what is the height and the depth, the length and the breadth. And to know the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. To be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto you, God, who are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. To you belong glory and power and dominion forever and ever. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen.